Welcome back to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Football Podcast Network. It's your friend, it's your quarterback, it's your co-pilot. It's Andrew Zimmel hanging out with you as we get closer and closer to the biggest game in TCU football history. That's right. We are about 11 days away at time of recording from the Fiesta Bowl. And I cannot express to you how excited I am. I'm on pins and needles getting ready for this game. So to get you ready for this game, what we're going to do today is talk about some matchups, some big matchups to be looking for in the game. So 11 days away, we'll talk matchups. We'll also talk about the transfer trail. So I've been on fire. The recruiting trail has been insane for Sonny Dykes and this coaching staff as we get closer to National Signing Day as well. That's right. Got a lot of big dates coming for Frog fans. Fiesta Bowl, of course, front of mind. Signing Day, back of mind, though. And they've gotten a lot of good recruits. The transfer portal has been very nice to uh, Fort Worth. So I'm excited for that. We'll talk that. But first, got to talk about the elephant in the room. And we start with Max Duggan announcing, declaring that he's going to the NFL draft. Now, flashback to a month ago. And I was the biggest fan talking about Max, Mad Max. I said, this is a Heisman contender. He's a Heisman runner-up. He's the guy. Like, Boykins was great at TCU. Andy Dalton really got this thing kick-started in the 21st century, moving us from the Mountain West to the Big 12. Boykins kind of took the baton, carried us into the Big 12, was one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 when he was at TCU. But what Max was able to do this season, starting as a backup, taking over the starting role, putting up the numbers that he did, putting up the wins that they did, like, this is my guy. So I was kind of disappointed. I think this is the first time all season I can say I was disappointed in what transpired. And look, he's a grown man. And I think a lot of people across the board will agree with me on this, that he can do whatever he wants to do, right? Like, that's not where we're going with this. I'm not going to say to a guy, hey, forego money you could be making at the pro level, forego all of that to continue to play at TCU. Now, would I like that? Sure. I would love that. I, I think that he would be great next season as well. If he, if he could come back, I think he should come back. And if you want to go to the NFL, more power to you. I think that he will be a good NFL player. He has all the intangibles. Coach's kid. He's studious. He's got a big arm. I I have faith that he can get it and make it at the next level. But what I was kind of disappointed in is the way that he did it. And it's not the Twitter, Instagram. That's not the part I'm, I'm disappointed in. It's the fact that he did it before the Fiesta Bowl. It's the fact that you start doing this now, it becomes a distraction. Now, luckily, TCU has been under the radar. College football has had a lot of storylines this season. Ohio State making it into the playoffs kind of helps, I think, because a lot of the national media focuses on them. The national media focuses on Alabama, on Clemson. So this TCU season has gone under the radar for a lot of national football writers, a lot of national radio hosts, podcasters, which to, you know, most of the season, I would piss you off. Most of the season, you'd be kind of disappointed that your team is not getting front page on college football blogs. But I'm kind of happy that Max's announcement doesn't go to the ESPNs, doesn't go to the Fox Sports. I'm not having to hear about it 15 different ways to Tuesday. You know, oh, the TCU quarterback's leaving. What does that mean for Sonny Dykes? What does that mean for the offense? Is is Max not committed? Like, I'm glad that it didn't get to that level. However, I do think that announcing before the Fiesta Bowl 
isn't great, Bob. It's not great. I kind of wish that if there was a time to announce, it's after the national championship. Or, God forbid, it's after the Fiesta Bowl. I think that those are two relatively good times to announce. Because after the Fiesta Bowl, there's a real chance that his draft stock rises. There's a real shot that what we have him rated at right now changes over the next two to three months. Or over the next two to three weeks if he has a really good Fiesta Bowl or a great national championship. There's a chance that he'll propel. But right now, according to NFLDraftBuzz.com, which is a website that I did not hear about till today, right? They have ranked all of the different positions and all the different quarterbacks. And I noticed immediately that they had some quarterbacks who are not going to the NFL draft. They had some quarterbacks on that list. Bo Nix said he's coming back to Oregon. Uh, Keaton Solvis said that he's transferring going to the transfer portal, so he's not going to the NFL draft. Both those guys were rated higher than Duggan on the, uh, the NFL quarterback list. Okay, for the prospects, but they had him ranked as the 26th quarterback in this year's draft class. Now, while I think that's a little low, okay, I'm not saying he's the 26th best quarterback after coming in second for the Heisman. I'm not. That's not what we're doing here. I, I refuse, refuse to put my name on that. 26 doesn't feel right, but it feels in the ballpark. Okay, it's not the right house, but it's in the same neighborhood. You know. When I look at the air raid offense and Sonny Dykes, and I look at the air raid offense and the way that some of the other quarterbacks have gone to the NFL, Jared Goff, for the most part, his career has been kind of floundering. Number one overall pick. Now he looks okay with the Lions, but for the most part, not great. Patrick Mahomes, incredible. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe one of the best quarterbacks of all time when it's said and done. But there's also Gardner Minshew, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, right? So some of them are great. Some of them are Patrick Mahomes. Some of them are Jared Goff. Some of them are career backups. Some of them have great moments but can't stick around. Some of them go out get out of the league within four or five years. I don't think Duggan is a guy that's going to be out of the league in four or five years. I think he's better than Gardner Minshew. But to say that he's going to be a first-rounder or even a second-rounder, and when you look at some of the teams that need quarterbacks – is he the type of guy that they're going to circle in the draft board? I don't think so. Which raises the question, why announce when you did? To just get on guys' radars? Let your play do that. And he's, he's a coach's kid, so he should know that. You know, Let the play be the thing that stands out. I don't know. The, the quarterback, he's announced the NFL draft. It might be a mistake for a lot of reasons. I'm happy for him. I wish him nothing but success. I wish him nothing for success but success in the... Uh, in 11 days in the Fiesta Bowl, but I just wish that he would have waited a little longer. Okay, on to the transfer portal. The transfer trail is what we're going to call this segment because TCU has been killing it. I think that they are one of, if not the best team in the transfer portal so far early, early, early into this thing. Now, granted, like I said, it's really, really early to be talking about this, but some of the names that they've gotten are not names that you would have recognized during the regular season. They're probably not names that you were keeping a close eye on unless you are a transfer or a transfer portal guru. You're not looking. But they got some pretty good guys. So let's go through them. The first name that we want to throw out there is Channing Canada from the Trinity Valley Community College. Okay, where is that? It's in California. It's one of the best JUCOs in the country. He was ranked the number one JUCO corner 
in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports Composite System. So that is where we're going to go for all of our rankings from here on out. We like the 24-7 system. I know some people aren't super happy with them all the time, but I like it. So he's got three years of eligibility. He's a redshirt freshman appearing in nine games, 21 total tackles, four pass breakups. Avery Helm, now that's a name you might recognize, University of Florida. As a high school recruit out of Missouri City, Texas, Helm was ranked a four-star, the 24th quarterback in the 2020 class, according to 24-7. During his time in Gainesville, 31 total tackles, five pass defensed, uh, 22 games played over the three years, and he'll be eligible to play next season. Jamal Johnson from Seguin High School. Now, this isn't the transfer portal. This is just an early signee, which I'm happy with. He was ranked the 33rd safety in the nation, according to 24-7. JoJo Earl. Now, these are two names that you want to keep an eye on. JoJo Earl and Jack Beck, because those both happened this prior week. Earl was an elite prospect out of Texas, a four-star, top 50 overall recruit, and then the number six wide receiver in the 2021 class. At Alabama in two seasons, 24 catches, 303 yards, two TDs, also was a punt returner. And this is, again, what people are saying. I am not going to be the one to give you player comps. I don't like comparing current players to former players. But people are saying Darius Davis, Teddy Barber, those are two guys that are getting comps when we talk about JoJo because TCU needs that downfield threat. They also need underneath threat. JoJo can kind of play that slot receiver position. People are excited about it. And, of course, Jack Beck from LSU, former four-star prospect. He was originally recruited to LSU as a tight end, but now he's a wide receiver after two seasons. 16 receptions, 200 yards, and a TD in 12 games during this previous season. So, like I said, man, TCU recruiting trail is on fire. Transfer portal wide open in Fort Worth. Can't complain about it. I'm more than excited for Sonny Dykes and this squad because the way that you have sustained success in college football, you got to hit the transfer portal. You got to hit the high schools, especially in the Metroplex area. Come on. So many great, so much great talent in that area. They're doing a good job of kind of cultivating that, stealing some of those bigger name recruits from schools like Texas and Oklahoma. Shout out to that. And uh, the other part, winning Fiesta Bowl. Let's talk about it. The Matchup Podcast. That is what this is this week on Hypnotoad. Matchups. What can you expect? What do you see? All right, here it is. Biggest matchup. It's not going to be quarterback versus corners. Not going to be one linebacker versus one running back. A lot of people like to do that. No, we're looking at units. And it's an easy one. It's the O-line for Michigan versus the O-line or the defensive line for TCU. Why does it matter? Well, the old cliche goes, whoever wins the trenches wins the game. Throwback to World War One. I've been watching a lot of World War One movies recently. Go on Netflix. All Quiet on the Western Front. Incredible film this year. Whoever wins the trenches wins the war. Whoever wins the trenches is going to win the Fiesta Bowl. Michigan has an early lead. I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of things I am. A liar is not one of them. I'm not lying to you. When I say I'm nervous about the Michigan offensive line, this is one of the best offensive lines in college football. Michigan has the or won the Joe Moore Award this year for the nation's top offensive line, and guess what? This is the second year in a row they're winning it. That is the brand of football that Harbaugh is playing in Michigan. Ann Arbor, come on. Outdoor stadium. Cold, Big Ten weather. 
They know they got to run the football if they want to beat teams like Penn State, if they want to beat teams like Ohio State, Minnesota. This is what they got to do. And it, it re- reflects greatly when it comes to the college football playoffs. Look at the previous winners. Okay, if you throw out the Clemson teams that had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, for the most part, for the most part, college football playoffs has been decided by whose offensive line is good, whose running backs are healthy. And Michigan, their offensive line is great. Per Football Outsiders, the offensive line ranks for Michigan in the top 25 in almost every category, including number four in pass down line yards, and also top 20 in third down conversion, allowing only about one sack per game. Players to watch. Here's what you want to be looking for. And, you know, it's hard, I get it, for the average fan, for the normal guy to be watching a football game, you ball watch. You look for the ball that gets snapped. You look at the quarterback's hand. You try to see, does it go to the running back? Is he throwing in the flats? Is he going to launch it downfield? But Hypnotoad Podcast fans are smarter than that, right? We can look at two things at once. Look at the offensive line. Look at the defensive line. That is your challenge in this Fiesta Bowl. Don't get caught with the rest of the guys double-dipping their chips. Look at the offensive line. Pay attention. Watch center Ole Owamate. Hopefully I said that name right for you guys. He was the first team All-Big Ten, consensus All-American, and the Remington winner for the nation's top center. This is the best center in college football, boys. Be watching out. So the offensive line, clearly good for Michigan, right? Let's talk about TCU's defense. This is where I get a little bit concerned for the Frogs and for Joe Gillespie's 3-3-5 defense. Because this is going to be a calculus-level test for the TCU defense. You thought Kansas State was good. You thought UT was good. Shoot, you thought Tech and Baylor were good. None of those offensive lines rank up to Michigan. They just don't. They just don't. Now, the 3-3-5 works great in the Big 12. The 3-3-5 is a great defense. Because you get a little bit of pressure. On the quarterback, you got linebackers who can defend the run if need be, right? But it's air raid country, baby, <laughs> okay? You're playing games in Lubbock and Waco. You need five defensive backs on the field to make sure that nothing's getting behind you. You need five defensive backs on the field to make sure that nobody is trying to score big plays on you. Because that's what the Big 12 is. It's just big right hook versus big right hook versus big right hook. And then maybe the intermediate th- third and short run the ball, Okay. 3-3-5 defense works great. In the regular season, <laughs> works great in the Big 12. But against Michigan, this is where I get a little nervous because there are no defensive linemen on the Big 12 All-Conference first or second team for TCU. Now, against some of the best defense or offensive lines in the Big 12, they were able to get a little bit of quarterback pressure. But it's a different ball game, guys. It's just a different game. It is going to be a big test for TCU to try to get any sort of pressure on Michigan in the passing game. But in the running game, this is where I, uh, I get nervous football outsiders. Again, defensive line stats, TCU ranked outside the top 50 in all but one category, which is the stuff rate, which they were 45th and outside the top 85 in sack rate. So your player to watch on the TCU defensive line, it's going to be Dylan Horton who had six sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss this season. But, to say it's going to be one player making a difference for TCU, 
be reductive, be incorrect. Wouldn't be the right thing to say on a podcast. Got a little journalistic integrity over here. It's going to be a unit. If the defensive line, TCU's 3-3, say the top six, right, those guys, if it's those guys versus the five guys up front for Michigan, Michigan's going to win this game. They just are. It's going to be up to Joe Gillespie in the next 11 days, a little bit longer than that, probably the last 20 days. It's up to him to figure out how to use, how do you get a defense that is really good at stopping the pass. How do you get them to get guys on the field to creep up to the line? Are there guys that have been kind of sitting in the wings waiting for this type of thing? And I think that that's probably a fair question to ask. And I think the Sonny Dykes, when he took over TCU, knew that the goal for this team wasn't just to win the Big 12, which they didn't this year. Just remember, won the regular season, lost the Big 12 championship. The goal is not only to win the Big 12, but it was to make the playoffs, which they did. But once you get here, that goalpost moves. It's a result-based game, baby. The results are in. You're trying to win the Fiesta Bowl. And I think that he knew, and I think Gillespie knew, that if you want to win in the playoffs, you have to have a great defense, and it has to be a good run defense. So let's talk about the pass game. Because if this game turns into a shootout, that is where TCU wants to live. They want to live in the margins where this game turns into a 35-30 game or a a 40-41 game. You know what I mean? They, they want to see the ball moving up and down the field quickly. Michigan has the most run-dominant offense in college football this season. 59% run rate in neutral game situations, according to Campus Can. Okay, TCU's defense stacks the box at a lower rate, which means they put guys in between the tackles, at a lower rate than any other team, allowing ball carriers to gain three or more yards before contact on 37% of attempts, which ranks 120th out of 130 college football teams. However, now this is where things get interesting. However, if TCU forces a shootout, this is where the guys in Vegas start making some money. They force a shootout. J.J. McCarthy, quarterback from Michigan, has struggled to push the ball down the field. He has a 38% completion rate on throws 15 or yards down the field. Now, in that Ohio State game that essentially won the Big Ten for Michigan, he was able to get the ball down the field very well. But if you go back and watch that game, you'll know Ohio State was doing everything but defending the sidelines. They said, between the numbers, we are going to shut down the field. We're not going to give anything up in between the numbers. But numbers to sideline, we are giving all that territory up for free. You can have all of that. And that is where they got burned and got hurt. Because Michigan worked the sidelines all game against them. TCU can't allow that to happen. TCU only allows 32% of downfield completions, which ranks 30 or 13th in the country. So, what did we learn here, boys and girls? The matchup that you want to watch in this game. Sure. It, it, Miller's going to look good. Duggan's going to look good. Johnson's going to look good. The, the, the offense is going to look good, I think, for TCU. It is... What can the TCU defense do against the Michigan run game? That is what's going to decide this game. If TCU can throw the ball down the field and score quickly, keep the defense on Michigan on their heels, they have a really good shot to not only win the Fiesta Bowl, but win the national championship. But if they leave the defense on the field, if TCU's 
defense is on the field and getting gouged by the run, and this turns into a two-score game, a three-score game, and it's just Michigan running the ball, that's where TCU is going to get hurt. Now, this is what I found interesting. Michigan rushed for 418 yards and four TDs against number 10 Penn State. Remember, they only have two top 10 wins. Against number 10 Penn State earlier this season, 418 yards. Against Ohio State, number 2 Ohio State, they only ran for 252 yards. A lot of those yards were in garbage time. But McCarthy passed for 263 yards and three TDs against Ohio State. TCU has to be able to stop the run at a good enough rate that their offense can get on the field and score points. That is it. The offensive line for TCU against Michigan's defensive line, I feel very strongly in. I, I, I feel confident. Duggan working the Michigan defense, I feel very good about. This is the matchup. Michigan's offensive line, TCU's defensive line. Sorry. Next week, we will give you a complete game preview. We'll also, of course, mention some of the recruiting trail. We'll get into all of that next week as we get one step closer to the Fiesta Bowl. Now, that is happening New Year's Eve, 11 days from today. I'm excited for it. For everybody on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network and myself, Andrew Zimmel, want to thank you guys once again for listening to the Hypnotoad Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and share wherever you get your podcasts.